0: You're listening to a podcast hosted on The Podcast Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at whatisthepodcastmatrix.com.
1: When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th, that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition, episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror.
0: The binding of lives and blood has always been a strong storytelling mechanism in history. Whether it's the forging of the brotherhood between gangsters, of warriors preparing to go to battle, or the perpetual joining of lives in the realm of vampires, blood is the centerpiece of drama unfolding. This time, the blood is part of the mechanism of a cursed object, which in this episode is a cape. A Baron's cape! It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast! A retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 13,
2: The Baron's Bride.
0: Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, one of your other hosts. Some quick housekeeping. A quick reminder to everybody that not only have we finished out the Curious Goods review via the podcast review show and Dave Jackson and Eric Johnson, by the time this episode rolls out, you'll likely be able to hear my co-host Nick with that same podcast review show running through an episode of Two Guys Talking Horror.
2: Yes, I have been tapped to get one of my episodes of Two Guys Talking Horror reviewed.
0: I would encourage all of you to go check out twoguystalkinghorror.com, but more importantly, we'll drop a link in to the review of the episode, which is uh, which episode is it going to be again?
2: It's actually going to be over the 7 Halloween TV specials you may have forgotten.
0: Mm, mm, and that's a really great one because they're not just the ones everybody would remember when you hear them. It's a really great deep dive into stuff that you oh, really yeah. should go and see. Yeah. You really should. Check out the show notes inside this episode over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. That's all we've got for this episode. Nick, it's time to jump with both feet into the cape. Let's get to the retelling of this episode. Season 1, episode Lucky 13, The Baron's
2: Bride.
0: Another sleepy, creepy, tannish town. A man enjoys a cigarette as he walks down the street. He's responding to a room-for-rent ad that he saw in something called a newspaper. He knocks on the door and shares that he's interested in the room-for-rent. The creepishly attractive landlady takes him upstairs to inspect the detailed room featuring a cape.
2: Halfway across town, our intrepid heroes, Jack, Ryan, and Mickey... ...are about to spring into action, for Jack has found the location of, ironically, the same cape that uh, was just featured in the uh, room for rent. That's incredibly creepy timing. I know. It's almost like it was written that way. Imagine
0: that. It's like the script, even.
2: All Jack knows is that this cape is cursed, and it has the ability to make any man who's wearing it irresistible to women. Dun-dun-dun! Amazing back at the room for rent, not Mick Jagger, our tenant, Mm. decides he's going to put on the cape.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And when he does, he actually, it it, it almost looks like when he puts the cape on, there's a a whole like layer of makeup that gets put on his face as well because now he gets, he looks even prettier. And
0: and gallant lighting.
2: Yes. It's it's the gallant lighting It's the lighting. (laughs) (laughs) Not Mick Jagger, who, who we found out his name is Frank, is interrupted by... The reasonably creepy, creepy, attractive landlady, who starts pawn at Frank, telling him, Oh, it was my husband's cape. And how grand he looks in the cape. And you look so grand in this cape, it's and now amazing. we will spend our lives together. I
0: understand that you will woo me forever.
2: At the same time, Mickey, Ryan, and Jack show up, knocking at the door, and nobody's <laughs> going to be coming to that door because things are knocking, upstairs in the bedroom. (laughs) The creepy, attractive kind of landlady chick reveals herself to be a vampire. Fangs and everything. And plunges towards Frank's neck. At the exact same time, Mickey, Ryan, Jack all burst in and are also surprised that there is a damn vampire right in front of them.
0: And it's like giant maw. Big springy teeth vampire. Oh woman. yeah,
2: yeah. She ain't messing it, around.
0: No, no. It, none of the vampire moments inside of this are messing around at all. Yeah. It's it's all very straightforward. From here, a wonderful fight scene ensues. Yes. Where dragon reasonably attractive creepy landlord lady is able to scratch. The face of our dear Mickey. Yeah. She's able to vault Jack into a corner where he's reasonably wobbled because he's an old man. And Ryan is thrown up towards the ceiling and lands feverishly. While evil vamp lady
2: is about to choke the life out of Jack, Ryan runs away. Luckily, he actually runs outside and grabs the for rent sign, staking <laughs> the landlady through the
0: heart and killing her. Yeah, hardcore. And and you think everything is awesome. Except everything is not awesome. Because Frank wakes up, and well, now he's Count
2: Frank. (laughs) Because. Frank and and Frankula. He he has been transformed into a vampire from the bite from the landlady vamp. Frankula. And now because he's wearing the cape, Mickey is all hot for him. Yeah. He grabs onto Mickey, and a drop of his blood ends up on the brooch slash clasp. Yeah, the clasp of the. The incredibly crystal ornate clasp of this cape, his blood drops onto it and Mickey's blood from the scratch on her face, a drop of blood drops onto that and they start to to fade away. They start to disappear. And luckily enough, Ryan lunges towards them, grabbing onto the cape and the three disappear before Jack's eyes.
0: Right. All three are caught inside the transporter beam of this episode of Friday the 13th, The Next Generation. The curtains come up, and amazingly, everybody is in black and white, as is the fog, the cobblestones, the buildings around them, and the people that are clearly not from our time.
2: Frank runs off into the fog, while Mickey and Ryan are left wondering where the hell they are.
0: Yeah. In fact, Mickey actually says that. Where the hell are we? Thankfully, there's a couple that's walking by, and, oh, hey, what's up? Come We'd like to help you. That was
2: horrible. Thank you. That was really bad.
0: <laughs> the, the bottom line is that they're they're in the middle of England the problem the big problem is that not only have they transported to England they've transported back in time yes. in England yes big to bad. 1875 big trouble
2: Abraham and his new bride Caitlin mm-hmm. offer Mickey and Ryan a place to stay because of course you know they look very Disheveled, out and, of time, and out of sorts, and out of time.
0: Yeah, you know what? They they didn't even mention that she had giant scratches and blood coming out of her face.
2: Right. Well, not until they got back to their flat and she got doctored up. Yeah. But Mickey hasn't been acting herself. No, not at all. Not not since uh, getting in front of the cape. Yeah, not by a stretch. Yeah. Frank is slow mo running through the streets of London. As, <laughs> ben- padding- abdomen- Soul- <neues> yes, as, 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 as uh, ornate plumes of fog travel <laughs> around him. And uh, Frank's hungry. Fra- you know, traveling through time like that mm-hmm. uh, can uh, build up an appetite and locates himself a tasty tart. A um, morsel. So. And uh, lures her into a. Uh, well, I guess it's just kind of like a stairway down into a basement. It's he a, doesn't even take her all the way into the basement, just that we go downstairs. Into the
0: stairwell, right. A stairwell, mm-hmm. and I think gives it's him actually, the goo-goo eyes. I think it's actually called a murder platform.
2: A murder platform. Because... because takes her down into the murder platform, <laughs> and uh, proceeds
0: to bite her on the neck and suck her dry. Mm-hmm. Seconds later, a constable that's walking through says, Hey, come now! What's over here? Oi! And then he, this, he grabs going to
2: happen a lot during this episode, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: And then he grabs his super-duper police whistle and... Yes, and the that, chase is on again. That's right, and it's a bionic chase because, of course, it's in slow. Frankula is running in <laughs> slow motion again.
2: Count Frankula. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
2: Is on the run. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back at Abraham's flat, the household is woken up by the sounds of the commotion outside in the streets. Right, and they learn Abraham. That there's throws, been a murder.
0: Yeah, Abraham throws up in the window, and a dude down in the street says, "Hey, come now." has been a murder out here,
2: Wow. Okay. Ryan, Mickey, and Abraham put on their clothes to go out and investigate. And they realize Frank is the killer. He's a vampire. And, of course, Abraham doesn't believe any of this. But Ryan is very convincing. So they go and they gather up some garlic. They get themselves a steak. A steak made of oak. Made of rather oak. Rather than of ribeye. Right. And a lantern. Yes. And they go on the hunt for Frank as well. At the same time, in slow motion, Count Frankula is being chased by an angry mob, also <laughs> running in slow Sprinting motion. Sprinting in slow motion. <laughs> Frank ducks into a warehouse where he thinks that he is safe.
0: That's right. Not only does he think he's safe, he's going to make it his lair. Yes. Ryan
2: is very observant and notices the chains that are broken on the door of this warehouse mm-hmm. and they go, oh, well, he must have gone in here. Right. So they head down there, they're attacked by some very unorganized pigeons. Yeah. The three house. of them
0: go searching the warehouse.
2: Thinking that he's safe, Frank actually takes the cape off and throws it to the floor, mm. you know, just just disgusted with the situation that he's in. Right. And we see his body deteriorate. Mm-hmm. And he turns he, he, he ages. He ages rapidly. Mm-hmm. He looks like the traditional emaciated vampire from from film and television. Yeah. Fearing for his life, he puts the, the cape back on and is immediately returned to his normal
0: Frankula self.
2: Yes. Yes. Not Mick Jaggerish.
0: Correct. Our new three intrepid heroes storm into Frankenberry's lair.
2: Ryan is almost able to plunge the stake into Count Frankula, but Mickey actually warns him. Yeah. Because she is under the spell of the cape. A trance. They're able to pull Mickey away from Frank and run to the door, which the sunlight pouring in from the door stops Frank from following. They take Mickey back to Abraham's flat and leave her with Caitlin while Abraham and Ryan go back out to try to finish this while the sun is still out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, little do they know, since they're in this dark warehouse hunting around, the sun has gone down. Frank's not even there anymore. Frank has come to Abraham's flat for Mickey. Frank breaks into the tiny apartment, and Caitlin, brave as she is, tries to keep him away from uh, from Mickey, but fails, and Frank kills her. Sucks her dry, completely. And when Abraham gets home and finds his wife dead. He, uh, he he loses it and tells Ryan to get out. You've know, you brought nothing but pain and misery ever since you arrived. Mm-hmm. You, you, everything that I love is lost. Get away from me. Get mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So sadly, Ryan leaves, now to face the monster on his own. Mm-hmm. He heads back to the warehouse because, you know, Frank isn't smart enough to find another layer to fool people. <laughs> and uh, Frank is uh, about to lay the big whammy. On Mickey, when Ryan rushes in, yet again, stopped by Frank, this time because Ryan had to yell as he was going to plunge the yeah. stake through his heart. Instead of the ninja stealth yeah. staking, yeah exactly yeah.
0: there's all kinds of yelly, screaming staking. Hey, I'm
2: going to tell you that I'm about to, oh, <laughs> damn, how'd you know I was here? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Frank is about to kill Ryan for meddling in his affairs, when all of a sudden, Count Frankula Gets a stake through the
0: heart. And instead of being the trope of, oh, Mickey finally came to her senses and realized the folly of being the vampire's bride. That's not what happened here. What happened was, Abraham is the hero, the savior of the day, stabbing Frankula in the heart.
2: With Count Frankula dead, <laughs> Mickey and Ryan now figuring out that it takes their blood to travel through time on the... Terribly ornate clasp of this cape. Get ready to head back in time, but Abraham wants to go with them. And right. Like, no, no, you can't. This is your time. Yeah. You'd never be able to understand where we come from.
0: Yeah. It's your time. You need to stay here. And Ryan and Mickey disappear into the transporter buffer again and seem to arrive back in the present. L- literal Moments.
2: seconds Moments after, after they left, because Jack is still in the same position he was in right when they left,
0: looking constipated. Yes, needing well, I remember
2: he, he had just gotten his his ass handed to him by kind rang. of creepy but attractive <laughs> vampire landlady. Yes, very true, very true. They all head back to the antique store, and while Jack is trying to get some information out of Mickey and Ryan about you know the details of their 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 adventure, you know what did you see? What did you experience? And all they really want to do is they want to sleep. They've been gone for a while. He goes through a a stack of his old books, pulls down a copy of Dracula. And it turns out that Abraham that assisted them back in time was Bram Stoker. They place the cape in the vault, which makes the item recover.
0: Oh, what an interesting episode. Nick and I are going to talk about three good things from this episode, and then three things that we recognized as needing polish. Let's get to the goods. Off-the-chart production design. One of the perils inside of television, especially, is when you try and do a different genre. One of two things typically happens. You either strike it right on the head and nail it. Or it all goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. And what I can tell you definitively, especially the stuff that was done in black and white inside this episode, spot on nailed it. Yeah. It's, it was It's minimalist. gorgeous. That right. was the great thing absolutely.
2: about it. Less was more. They didn't try to to overdo it, and it worked perfectly.
0: It really did. One of the things I absolutely give this episode, an episode that, frankly, I... I, I I had to be dragged into this episode. This episode flies specifically into the genre of horror that I really don't care for.
2: But then, with the element of time travel, it, you you tip your it, toe yes. into science fiction, without
0: question. It, and it, it, that, and you take the cursed object. So there's mm-hmm. a hunt. Yeah, there's a hunt element. So it absolutely drags you there. And the production design inside of this is is spectacular. Yeah. What I have to put on top of the heap, though, is the lighting that's done in this. They are able to drag all of the classic looks. Every one that you could possibly imagine that you've seen inside of the old '40s and '50s black and white films yeah. is all featured inside of this, and then some.
2: I could definitely tell that they wanted to pay homage to yes. the 1930s original Universal monster movies. Yeah, and of yeah. course, you know, for a small for a, a show with a small budget, you can't you can't do that. Right, but they came damn close.
0: Yeah, and it's it's really well done. The costuming, in particular, in particular, Frankenberry is really <laughs> yeah. something to marvel at. Again, they got a they got a great actor to play him. He looks the part. The makeup was done wonderfully. Mm-hmm. But again, that the production design all the way around, especially depicting oldie England, I thought was really really well done. Vampire perfection. When I think of vampires, and again, I'm not a big vampire movie fan mm-hmm. really at all. When I think of vampires though, what I think of is exactly what you see with Frankula inside of this episode. Yeah. It's it's the gorgeous looking vampire man. He he is a very good looking man. Mm-hmm. Longer hair. Flowing. Weight, flowing hair. Yeah. Reasonably big teeth, very dramatic looking. You know, it's it's the person that you'd look through a crowd and you'd stop.
2: Oh, yeah. Because they draw you. They would stand out, yeah.
0: Yeah. And and they've done it wonderfully here. You add on the cape, and the cape really does set off everything that happens inside of this episode. Mm. And it's not that big a deal. It's it's not an ornate cape, but it's got got the the cut of his jib, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's just really well done inside this episode. The the collar as it catches, uh, especially with the lighting that's done incredibly dramatically, the makeup that's issued – Oh, the teeth in particular. I yeah. thought were really well done inside of this.
2: Again, uh, it's the minimalist vampire look. We didn't have to do anything, uh, except for the scene where he deages mm-hmm. for those few seconds. We didn't do anything with his face. Like, we, we didn't make his forehead all bumpy.
0: Yeah, he didn't look like a dinosaur. Right. Uh, You know, the mouth
2: didn't become, you know, overly wide, like a snake or something like that. It was just big, menacing teeth Mm -hmm. and his acting. And I I like calling that the minimalist vampire look, because that was very popular in the late 80s, -hmm. around the same time we had movies like Lost Boys, Mm -hmm. Fright Night, Mm -hmm. and Near Dark, where most of the times in those films, the vampire stuff was very minimalist. Now of course some of those films did have the over the top makeup later on mm-hmm. with the progression of vampire turning into vampire monster bat creature stuff like yeah. that. But again, this is the TV show, you can't you, we don't have the budget for that. Yeah. So we, and we don't need it.
0: Yeah, what I also enjoyed about this too is that there's several times where we get the gaping vampire maw, in particular with the reasonably creepy yet still somehow attractive landlady vampire. Mm, yeah. That's incredibly well done. She has a maw that's full of blood, but it doesn't look like she's got a maw full of blood.
2: And it's the same it's, set it's
0: really well done. Yeah.
2: of vampire teeth on her that it is on him. Yes. It's not like it's different between each person or gender. It's the same teeth. Yeah. And I appreciate that Me too. because you because sometimes you'll you'll see a movie where vampire teeth are different depending on who's the vampire. And I was like, "Eh." it's just weird when they do it.
0: Yeah. Again, I look at someone's teeth and I go, okay, so you're going to be a vampire, right? Right. Okay. So let's grab your canines and we're going to elongate your canines. Mm -hmm. We're going to make sure that the, all the, the teeth color match and we're going to have a tiny little dash of blood and that's exactly what happened here. There's a couple of scenes where there's a there's actually a draw of blood like either on Mickey's face where I mean it's literally, it, they may as well have taken a marker and drawn the lines of blood. So right. it's not it's not scratchy and then there's just a blood smear on her face there are two scratches of two blood two scratches down, on her down. Face. yeah um, the, the blood coming off of the corner of the mouth of at least one of the vampires inside of this is it's it's incredibly indicative of that classic vampire mm-hmm. look yeah and I, that i really do enjoy it's when it's when it goes overboard and there's a bucket of blood on the face of a vampire that's when i, I i'm like do we really need to go there cuz it doesn't do anything for me Especially if you drink all the blood. Did you drink all the blood or did you just get it on you? Right?
2: How much of that blood did you get into yourself, <laughs> Mr. Vampire? Because it looks like it's all over your face and your chest. Right.
0: Good stuff. Vampire- You're
2: wasting blood.
0: Vampire production was vampire perfection. A tie to history. I can remember writing stories when I was in high school in my creative writing class. And one of the hallmarks that I know my teacher loved when we did it And that I recognize inside of this episode is a tie, a real tie to real history somehow inside of the incredibly invented storyline of whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. I can remember doing that a couple of times. One was about a lady and roses and then the, the, again, the tie back through history to real life things was something that the teacher always appreciated. And you, not so strangely, that was in the late 80s. Right, yeah and that they decided to do that here also I think is really good you picked up on it way earlier than I would have even bothered to even have a concept of what's going on where the literal story stake at the end for me yeah except for your ruining of it oops would have, would have made it a really nice adornment at the end.
2: I should just keep my mouth shut. I, I
0: realize that now,
2: and I apologize. I,
0: uh, you know, it's it's like where you you grab the pause button and you pause. and You go, Mike, Mike, I think that guy's gonna be Bram Stoker. And I'm like, why do you think that? And you go, I don't know, but well, there's name's Abraham.
2: English. There's a vampire. It's black and white, and oh. it's Friday the Thirteenth. The series. <laughs>
0: Anyway, ties to history. I love them too. I love it when they can puzzle piece things together like that. It's it's what it's what makes uh, again talking about time travel. It's what makes time travel like Back to the Future fun, right? Because there he's the story. We don't need to jump all the way through it, but the story of Back to the Future is allowed to touchstone these things that happen or. Maybe even were fiction back then. The Cubs weren't winning the World Series, for example. Right. None of that yeah. was real back then, like without any question at all. Although recently the Cubs have won the World Series, but that it's tied to something real, it makes it a completely different flavor of ice cream to take in. It's a hallmark in science
2: fiction time traveling stories uh, that your travelers will go back, interact with somebody who either is moderately famous or will be. Famous later on and their adventure in the past is the inspiration for that person's work of fiction that makes them famous
0: yes Uh, the i think probably the biggest pinnacle especially inside the television series television series history is quantum leap quantum Mm -hmm. leap inserted itself into the Mechanics and practicality of what happened inside of history, many times more times than I, I yeah. I'm certain I can't even remember. Same
2: thing with Doctor Who. Mm. There have been mm. several Doctor Who episodes, specifically uh, a Christmas episode mm. where they interact with Charles Dickens. Oh, wow! And they, and it's always aliens in Doctor Who, even when it looks like ghosts or vampires or werewolves, it's always aliens. Mm. And they're dealing with these things that seem to be ghosts, but of course, they're aliens, mm-hmm. and the adventure. Is the thing that that leads Charles Dickens to writing A Christmas Carol. Mm. So I, I,
0: I dig that. Yeah, I, again, it's fun. I, I, it's fun. Anytime you can layer it in and it's done with at least some adept hand, I'm a fan of that. Mm. When it's there's also been instances, and I can't think of one off the top of my head, but where it's where it's inserted because okay, the checkbox of we need a tie to history. Um, okay, how about this? Okay. And when it's done like that, you can really tell that it's done like that. Yeah. It there isn't a there is a deft hand that has to be used to make the connect the connective tissue, otherwise it feels manufactured. And it didn't hear It was great. Yeah. Uh, a grand list of stuff that was good inside of this episode. What did you guys think was good? Let us know what you think by going over to our website that's curiousgoodspodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form and let us know what you think. Now,
2: while every episode of Friday the 13th, the series has goods, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's always a few moments that need a little bit of polish. Slow-mo vampire. Wow. This seemed to happen...
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it it was was at least four times.
2: At least four times. It seems like... I, and I know what they were doing. They were padding time to make it a 43-minute 40, episode. episode of yeah. the of, of the show. I, I get it. But come on. Yeah. It, it's actually one of the biggest problems that I had with this episode. Because it doesn't happen once. Because once I'm like, oh, okay, so we're being dramatic here and he's running away. Oh, it's happening again. Oh Okay. Oh, a third time. And now there's an angry mob with him. Oh, the angry mob still slowly chasing. What? What is this? The, the Last Jedi? Are we
0: slowly having a space car chase? Huh? What is this? Yeah, a space car chase. I, the, the use of slow-mo is, I would compare it very much to the tide of history, where it really does take an, a, a deft hand to pull it off. Yeah. Because if it's inserted for insertion's sake, like it is inside this episode, mm. it doesn't it doesn't benefit the storytelling yeah. at all except to make the checkbox of yes, we have fulfilled forty three minutes of storytelling.
2: Yeah, if I wasn't having such a fun time watching the episode, that would have derailed me. Yeah. Instead of, you know, finally just saying, Oh, okay, so it's the our bionic moment, our bionic vampire moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know what <laughs> it might also be too is that I don't I don't know the I don't know the technology history enough mm. to tell you when jumps in technology for slow motion capture were actually made but this could also be just hey we got a new kick-ass camera let's try this because that's what this also feels like it's like okay so i think the best times to get slow-mo is when they're moving fast right yeah okay well when is this episode going to move fast well um i don't know why don't we have frankula run through the streets yeah yeah production design value man that's awesome right
2: right but when it, you end up doing it four or five times, it,
0: it loses the value almost instantaneously. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mickey's portrayal or lack thereof.
0: Yeah. This was incredibly frustrating because everybody knows from watching the first 12 episodes inside of this series that Mickey is not window dressing. No. And Roby has the acting chops to pull off pretty much anything we've ever seen thrown at her. Yeah, And so to see her just kind of in a hot for brought daze during this entire episode, I I felt was kind of a waste. I I am glad that they didn't ever come to her senses and be the stake wielder, though, at the end. Right, yeah. Roby has a thicker acting credential than what was given to her inside this episode as the forlorn, hot for vampire brought bride inside of this episode and i would have liked to have seen something different
2: yeah it's it's almost it it was too subdued and then too kind of flighty yeah it was almost it was almost as if
0: oh hey yeah
2: there's this guy really like
0: there's also the graft and i i I get it Uh, the instant that she wakes up from her original nappy nap inside of england she wakes up and hey look her hair looks almost exactly like frankenstein's bride okay i get it I get it, we're able to take the red-headed, permed lady and make her look like Frankenstein's bride. I get it. I totally get it. And I got nothing from it because I want to see some acting from Roby.
2: Yeah. The
0: Transportation Effect. To be clear on this, I'm not looking for Dancing Sandy Sprinkles as Scotty engages the transporter buffer that's not what i'm looking for from this what i'm looking for is something that gives us a demarcation of something's happening that isn't just a standard fade i thought that the production design that was delivered to the episode this didn't do service to the rest of the episode
2: yeah where it's almost like the slow-mo it's it's something that could have been used and used right but it's just so bland.
0: Yeah, it's it's where I you know I think of like the beginning of the Wayne's World episodes where it's got the camera looking at the television that gives the right yeah. yeah it doesn't need to be anything really that stupid, but it, it, we needed something. We needed a camera effect. Wind,
2: or, you know, maybe a little bit of wind because you know they're they're traveling. They're they're about to disappear. So there's mass, and now the mass is gone. Maybe a yeah. little bit of wind. Or
0: even a sound. I, or I, a sound
2: effect, yeah. I, I don't remember
0: there even being a sound there effect. There wasn't. It was and, just
2: them fading away.
0: Yeah. And, and again, I think you did a, a terrible disservice to what was an episode where, you know, maybe a purist would go, well, you know, in a the theater, they don't have anything like that when they do that. And I'm like, Well, uh, this isn't theater. I, but I, Agreed, but I'll tell you what—that's one thing I do give of the episode. We probably could have put it into the positives, is that the faster that this show often changes its its mode of operation into theater mode, I almost enjoy it mm. more. Inside of this episode, there's several scenes. I think all of the warehouse scenes are very theatrical. But you
2: know what? At least a theater is—if they had one—if they had a trapdoor, the people would disappear through a trapdoor, and there might even be a puff of smoke. So there's still something more yeah. than just the yeah, you're right. the obligatory just <clears throat> fade away. Yeah. Oh, wow, you're slowly fading away, not a immediate yeah. fade away. Hell, even that would have been something different than just that slow fade.
0: Yeah, yeah. There needed to be something, and I guarantee you that in a matter of 25 minutes uh, a reasonably unseasoned team of people put in front of a camera to capture something they would come up with something that would have been better than what we got here and i I was it made me sad that that was not only the the going but the coming was exactly the same where they just chose to kind of do nothing
2: right yeah those are the bits that we think need to have a little bit of polish but we want to know what you think let us know by heading over to our website That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click the link on the right, fill out the short web form, and let us know what you think needed a little bit of polish in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. We're going to take a break here on the Curious Goods Podcast.
0: Don't go anywhere. Don't go fading off into the past. We'll be right back with more. A complete revisit, retelling, and educational detailing of every episode.
2: No. No. It's retelling, Retelling. revisits, and complete educational detailing of every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 13, The Baron's Bride. We'll be right back.
1: Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? don't know where to start check out the voice farm your one-stop shop for voiceover needs check it out now by accessing the voice farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box from the voice box voicefarmers.com that's voicefarmers.com
2: wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever it can real impact thanks to perpetual advertising are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors make your podcast soar with the editor core editing podcasts can be rough Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and they're ready for yours now. Check out editorcore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com.
0: Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Kids podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, this time Season 1, Episode Lucky 13, The Baron's Bride. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to focus on our curious goods. (laughs) Curious goods are moments inside the episode where either an actor's portrayal, a special effect, or some other device inside the episode is focused on and talked about. Nick, what have you got?
2: My curious good for this episode has got to be... The black and white bit. That's nice. The fact that when we travel through time for this episode, everything goes to black and white. I, I'm sure that there are probably some people who would think that it's totally cheesy. And I get I'd get why they would think that it's totally cheesy. For mm-hmm. me, being a lover of all genres of horror, from classic gothic horror all the way to the slasher genre. Mm-hmm. I love how this is an homage to those classic 30s and 40s films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what they were trying to do. I mean, is specifically because, you know, by the end we find out, hey, guess who we were palling around with back in the past? Bram Stoker. Now, yeah, it's a stretch because it's it's not historically accurate, but who who cares if it's historically accurate? Mm-hmm. It's a fun TV show where they're running through jolly old England trying to get a cape that travels through time. Yeah, The fact that instead of changing it to maybe a sepia tone or even something uh, more uh, Saving Private Ryan where you just take about 60% of the color out, Mm -hmm. we go straight black and white, Mm -hmm. pay respect to the oldies, and the fact that you pull it off correctly, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's got to be my curious good for this episode.
0: Yeah, there was a piece of... Magicianship that was going on right about this same time, and it was, it was one of the best acts ever that I can remember of David Copperfield. I remember David Copperfield. Okay, well, there was a segment where there, uh, and oh, it's really funny that we're remembering this because I remember writing about it after I uh, had a creative writing story, and it's uh, it's a story that's told, but it's not a story. It's 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 shown. It's it's a it's a there are no words in it, mm-hmm. and inside of the story is an act that is a piece of magic. Right. It's I remember that becoming incredibly popular back then. And then it started turkey, turning into the circus act stuffs that you see inside of Vegas now. Yeah. Where it's you go there and it's this it's this grand thing that you go to. It's not just a dude doing 25 minutes of magic. Yeah, it's, it's an experience it's now. Absolutely. Yeah. And when he was doing it back then, there's one in particular that deals with a lady and a rose. Mm. And I remember specifically that there's a segment of that storytelling slash magician ship act mm, yeah, that is going on. And inside of the middle of it, there is black and white that's inserted inside of it as well. And it's incredibly effective. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I, the, those, those years of David Copperfield through the 80s, I think, are just some really special times for magic. I love that genre of magician ship. Yeah. And David Copperfield in general. And uh, it, it reminded me very much of what was going on inside this episode. My Curious Good for this episode, without question has to be terribly appropriate vampireness. Again, I'm not the vampire guy, like at all. Mm -hmm. But when I think of or draw vampires, I see every instance of what I would be drawing inside of this episode.
2: Right, yeah.
0: It's that the classic angles, incredible drama-laden lighting, big teeth, and and big teeth. I'm not talking about, like, look at the scissors hanging out of this guy's face. (laughs) That's not what happens here. Uh, the, the appropriate blood that's used here, and I think every case, every time that there's a murder here, mm-hmm. there's appropriate blood. I also like that when they changed the vampire into the grizzled old, oh my God, I got to put the cape back on vampire. It was terribly appropriate. Yeah, it's just horrific enough where it, it's like a, an aged bat person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally worked. It again it harkens me back to what was going on inside of the 80s in regard to horror films and especially vampire films back then. You mentioned several of them.
2: Oh, the glory days of vampire
0: films. Yeah, and anytime you glide towards that, I've got to take my collective cap off and give it a nod. It's absolutely my Curious Good. That's where we ask you guys, what was your Curious Good inside this episode? Season 1, episode 13, The Baron's Bride. You've got to tell us now by going over to our website, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you thought was your curious good for this episode. Nick, it's time to rate this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, Season 1, Episode 13, The Baron's Bride. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. A gorgeous man-vampire with appropriately sized teeth and appropriately quantified blood streaming down his chin. A one is on the bottom of the scale. An incredibly slow-moving host in a podcast. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick... There are no Habsies. Nick, what do you got?
2: For me, this episode is silly at its core. It's it's silly at its core. It's it's vampires. Mm-hmm. It's time mm-hmm. travel. Yep. It's interaction with historical figure. It's slow-mo running from angry mob. Mm-hmm. But when you stop looking at just what it is on the surface and you tr- pick up what the writers and the directors and everybody involved was trying to do with this episode, Mm -hmm. you can see they really wanted to pay respect to Friday the 13th, this series wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Bram Stoker writing Dracula, Mary Shelley writing Frankenstein and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have those movies that they were based off of. We wouldn't then have... The newer movies that they were all based off of, we wouldn't have horror. We wouldn't have this anthology series. Mm-hmm. So I get what they're doing. There was a lot of great stuff in this episode, but then there was a l- <laughs> there was some dings. There was mm-hmm. some stuff that needed some polish. Mm-hmm. Ironically enough, I even have a slight issue with the name of the episode. The Baron's Bride does not really make any sense None when it comes that. to this episode. Yeah. I would I would have called this the Count's Cape, and that would have made a little bit more sense. The Count's Cape. Or maybe that's just me.
0: I, uh, I was going to go with Hot for Vampire Brat. Hot for Vampire my, Brat.
2: Attack me. of Count Frankenberry, huh? <laughs> is, that, is That would have that that worked. That would have that worked. worked. That worked. <laughs> <laughs> uh At the end of the day, though, I still enjoyed the episode. I, I give them credit for what they tried to do. But I know for a fact that even had I watched this when it aired... Nothing in this would have would have scared me, but I did have fun watching it. So I'm gonna give this a seven. It's average. It's a seven. It's fun. it's a fun episode.
0: Seven's an interesting number for this. Again, for those that are curious in our curious kids podcast, I'm not the horror fan. I, I just I'm not. i there's very little in horror that moves my needle, right. And I think it's maybe just because I choose to not imbibe in it. I would kind of compare it to. Uh, a lot of the cops that I work with over at WhatCopsWatch.com, dot com,
2: shameless plug.
0: A lot of the cops that I work with via WhatCopsWatch.com, dot com, they choose to not go to cop ridden stuff for entertainment right. because it's not what they it's not their bailiwick. They don't yep. choose to. And I would put horror kind of squarely in that too, where even if the subject matter interests me, the sample would be the revisit back to uh, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series, where I'm like, hey, you know, Freddie's kind of cool. I remember in the 80s being reasonably drawn to what was going on inside of that series. Right. But I didn't go out of my way to go and see that film. And you know, it's just it's where you start to dissect it and you're like, so do I want to take 2 hours of my life to do that or do I want to take 2 hours of my life to do something else that doesn't have any of that impact? And so I I, I don't choose to typically go to it. The the homage part inside of this is huge for this episode for mm-hmm. me because now we're talking about haha stoking history. Which which I enjoy a lot uh, Mm -hmm. that they were able to go and grab pieces of what could be inserted into any 40s or 50s horror film. It's clear to me that the people that made the episode knew that Mm -hmm. and that homage piece is absolutely laden throughout it. The dings that we did have, I thought were significant dings, especially when I'm already starting on the negative path of, you're going to have to impress me anyway. <laughs> but then you kind of offset them with time travel, mm-hmm. and then we sprinkle in the hunt for another cursed object, which is what drags me into this series without question. Right. If I had to tell everybody why I'm bothering with any of this, it's not just the drag to my dad's memory, it's also the hunt for the curious goods, right. the stuff that that is... Stuff that's got to get off the streets or bad things are going to happen. I'm a big fan of that. You wrap that all into a burrito for everybody to take a bite of, including me. And I think you get a six for this episode. That's where we ask you guys, what did you think of this episode? Season one, episode lucky 13, the Baron's Bride. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's curiousgoodspodcast.com. Click anywhere over on the right hand side. Fill out that quick web form and tell us what do you think? So until next time, make sure when you go looking for rooms for rent, there's not a reasonably creepy yet somehow attractive landlordess waiting for you.
2: And if she is, always
0: carry garlic. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, one of your other hosts.
1: Thanks for listening,
0: and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at curiousgoodspodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed.
0: Welcome back to the Curious Goods podcast, a title which I can't read anymore, (laughs) a revisit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why it doesn't stick. This is the first time ever. Wow. It just doesn't stick. Let's see here. Uh, Storm into Frankenberry's lair.
2: Ryan almost gets the stake in him. Frankenberry. Sorry. You want want to change it?
0: No. No, I actually leave it. It's fine. Why not?
2: We'll go through all the flavors. Frankenberry.
0: <laughs> Boo, chunk, Booberry, yeah. <laughs> Booberry pulls out from beneath one of the trunks. I would like to give you some of my
2: Booberry. And then Yummy Mummy walks in. <laughs> yummy Mummy. F- <laughs> wow, really? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yummy Mummy. Awesome. Fruit Brute, what are you doing here? <laughs> all right, back onto the rails. Yeah, f- get this Sorry. done. <clears throat>